Here we are once again. This is Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. And have we got a show for you today? Actually, guys, yes. Have we got a show for them today? Um, <laughs> Seth, Brad, Kelly, Kendra, have we got a show for them today? No, yes. we got a show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And before we start, of course, the weekly disclaimer, this show is not for younger ears as the Harley Quinn show itself is an adult based animation. That's what it says on the website. So I'm just repeating what they're saying on the website. Um, this is an, an adult based podcast and it's hosted by four fucking children uh disclaimer over let's go ahead and talk about episode seven of season one of harley quinn the line me today as always we have brad master of well, how are you today sir <laughs> i'm doing okay how are you guys doing we have kendra all hail the hail how are we this evening kendra fantastic fantastic we have kelly Gaines. how are you <laughs> i'm good and the Sultan of Smooth, the man who wants to see more blind mice. But we'll get into that later. Seth Singleton. Bring out the blind mice. Do it now. Because you love me. <laughs> see how That's... they run. <laughs> uh, they'll all be running away from us by the end of this show, I promise you. So, yes, the line. Um, we see the return of the legendary Queen of Fables and her one wondrous book. And it makes me look at uh, the fables set of graphic novels in a whole, whole new way, especially when she uh, brings out the big bad wolf. So let's talk about her being freed from the book I threw at all of you last time she visited. And obviously, starting with Brad, um, what did you make of the return of the Queen of Stories? Uh, it's good to have her back. <laughs> good to see her not just being a book trying to get its fuck on. Uh, it's good to see her. Uh, to see her, her own Tinder right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do think that Wanda Sykes was the perfect person to get to voice uh, this character. So overall, like have a perfect representation of what the character is for sure. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I I was actually very upset for her when they let her out of the book, and then they're like, "But you're still going to prison." Yeah, that that was messed up. Although then you get why. And Seth, I I, I don't know about these mice, man. I don't know. Uh, Kendra, what do you think? They're hungry. Yeah, I got I gotta agree with Kelly. I mean, I I was kind of in Harley's corner when she got as mad as she did when they said they were gonna let her free. And here's Zatanna letting her out of the book, the, the lovely tax records, and. The judge is just like, yeah, about that. He thought you were free, but you're going to jail for the rest of your sentence. Seth, what did you think? I uh, <laughs> I initially thought to myself, typical. Like, really, guys? Like, hey, you've been in prison for 30 years. We're going to let you out, and then we're going to put you in this other place because that's the justice system sometimes. Like, you're like, 
Wait, wait, that other guy got off, but this one gets out only to get in prison somewhere else. And now what? Now it counts? I, I don't get it. What about the 30 years stuck in a tax code book? How is that not like, why aren't we paying her money for this? Uh, Kelly, about those mice. Well, this is the opportunity to let our dark side out. And let's just say mine includes three little blind mice. How about you, Steve? This woman is arguably now one of the scariest villains in the entire DC universe. I mean, when she was a book, it was hilarious, but you thought, what could she have done to deserve that kind of punishment? But that was less a punishment for her as keeping the rest of the world safe, because everybody knows who's ever seen a Batman comic or an episode of Harley Quinn, uh, Arkham Asylum has revolving doors. If they put her in there, she will get out, she will cause mayhem, like she did at the Praxis family barbecue. Wolves, pigs omfg this lady is dangerous but um is she as dangerous as a thousand ish lasers at court industries protecting the weather machine um guys tell talk to me about this machine about cord and about the chain smoking mouse because he was a favorite may he rest in pieces uh brad what did you make of it (laughs) <laughs> oh man, that poor mouse! <laughs> I love that mouse. I wanted to see more of him. <laughs> uh, you know, granted this is a cartoon, but I have to agree with King Shark when he said, "Well, it was either going to be that or or monkey cancer." Human cigarettes like that. I thought the same thing. I was like, "Man, that's got to be bad for that." Yeah, but I wish we could have seen more of them. Uh, Kelly, what'd you I say? think we saw a lot of him, even his insides by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, well, true. <laughs> Very well acquainted with that particular mouse. <laughs> See, I, and, and that was an okay mouse. His little vest, his little hat. It's, it's, he's not the mouse I'm worried about. But at the same time, I mean, that just, that sad, slow last drag on the cigarette before the thousand-ish <laughs> laser. <laughs> That's that's messed up. And actually, Brad, I'm glad you brought up King Shark because those two seconds where he's excited about seeing Humpty Dumpty before Queen of (laughs) Fables scrambles Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) (laughs) My life. So funny. (laughs) God, it's I. Yeah, these are just great versions of characters. Yeah, and I just I love that. When they, you know, when kind of Ivy and Harley were talking about how Queen of Fables was really bad news, in the background you still still see her scrambling, Humpty Dumpty, and his like arms and legs are oh, painful. <laughs> oh man! What did you think, Kendra? I just remember thinking, poor Gus Gus. I was like, what happened to him in his life <laughs> that he turned? <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I gotta agree with Kelly and Brad. Poor Humpty Dumpty. Like, that one, they just sucker punched you out of nowhere with that. Because here she is, Harley's introducing the rest of the crew, (laughs) Queen of Fables. And, you know, King Shark's so excited because she's like, who would you like to see? Name anyone. Pick anyone. And here's poor Humpty Dumpty. And, you know, he comes in all sweet and dignified. No. (laughs) It is shattered in a moment. And that's the introduction to Queen of Fables for the crew. So it's a wonder how <laughs> how anything else happened. 
<laughs> but <laughs> Seth, what did you think? Okay, I'm going to start out with the one thing that killed me from the get-go in this, which is when she says, yeah, so uh, you got anything in that Fables book that's four inches big? And she's like, yeah, but how the hell is Prince Charming's dick going to help us out in this situation? To which I just fucking died. <laughs> like, that was just like, I was like, oh, shit. And then, of course, Psycho gets a little offended. He's like, that's low-hanging fruit. And I'm like, not at four inches, bro. Um, so it was sliding along. Uh <laughs> So there's the starter. Then we get Humpty, who is thrilling until he's chopped in half, scrambled. And then, yeah, Brad, as you pointed out, like you shift the camera back in the background and then the perspective suddenly shows her taking one of those meat tenderizers and smashing his arm so he can't fight back while <laughs> cooking him alive. But then, you know, we get to see Cinderella's mouse, who is one bad motherfucker. Like, I knew it was tough when he showed up and then suddenly throws on the vest after being called cute suits up throws on the red berets which my wife's like oh he's a red beret mouse and i was like we and uh (laughs) from that point on like he's just the awesomest little soldier until he does that one thing and yeah brad also have to agree with you king shark nailed it what's gonna get him it was either gonna be those lasers or those cigarettes seriously one drag and you kill a stoke like come on man that's <laughs> that's some hardcore dive bar shit right there so i'm just calling him for just being like the bad dude who sits in the back until he's cut to all those sad little pieces um and steve dude court industries like how have we not seen blue beetle yeah. yet why is he not on this when do we get because i'm like feeling like look he yes. needs to make it because him and harley is just fucking insanity plus we're just seconds away from blue and gold and Harley and all the other fun. Oh, come on. Like, come on. How about you, Steve-O? DC Universe, are you listening? We want Ted Cord. When do we want him? Last week. We want him every week. That's yeah, when no, we right. want Ted Cord. But um, that book of fables, like you said, the mouse with the cigarettes that if you actually stood them side by side would be almost the same height. One drag, poof. His lung capacity, God. Damn. And Humpty, oh, blimey, he got scrambled. And listen, the worst thing is, she says Humpty makes great eggs. How many times has she done that before? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that poor (laughs) egg. Well, these stories are timeless. And Seth, oh, man, I'm so glad you brought up uh, poor old Prince Charming. I always wondered that Prince Charming gets all these ladies in every story. But now I know why he gets all of them. He can't keep them because four inches. Sure. Um, keep throwing the parties and stick to what you're good at, Prince, because, um, well, let's leave it there, shall we? Low hanging fruit or otherwise um, seedless. That's all I can say. So Star Labs, Cord Industries, lots of name dropping, of course, um, Arkham Asylum. But um, let's move away from that and, and dwell more on the book and what she can pull out of it. Like I said, um, this is like dark fables gone crazy. I mean, Big Bad Wolf in Fables was actually heroic. And this guy, we're talking Steppenwolf's pet pooch here. Uh, when we first introduced to him and the family picnic, what did you make of the Big Bad Wolf Brad? <laughs> I think it demonstrated how much of a badass Queen of Fables really is. <laughs> I mean, you know, oh, yeah. going in and killing a whole, not even just a whole family, but an entire, you know, an entire house 
as it were, like family at the family of this poor, <laughs> this poor, poor family reunion. Um, yeah, man, she's she's not fucking around. Uh, she's she's out for blood. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I I mean that was that was. I feel like if we were to watch this episode from any other lens besides this is a show about villains, that would be the most devastating scene. I mean, this is an entire bloodline uncles and third cousins completely removed like that's that's such a good line i love that one (laughs) right and i i kept racking my brain for like is this is the praxis family a thing like do we have we heard this family before this is just a totally random family and i mean i guess it's totally random and also steve you bring up a really good point because now i'm thinking so even if and when you manage to kill the big bad wolf, she can just re-conjure him. So basically, I mean, that. yeah, I guess that's why she seems so dangerous, because it's, she can just re, there's no beating her. She can just bring them back over and over again. And I mean, poor Prince Charming, but for the wolf, that's kind of crazy. Kendra, what'd you think? Oh my gosh, this scene. Um, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> is there any better way to show that you're a villain than taking out an entire bloodline <laughs> but literally I and mean, again it seems to be her thing <laughs> right I mean she's done it enough times that she has her own like I don't know zombie land rules and number one is the you double know. tap and it means take out the entire family <laughs> <laughs> but I mean this scene it set it sets her up as a character so beautifully because when they come back after you know successfully getting what they wanted, she's sitting there using the guy's head as an ashtray. And <laughs> I think my favorite line from this part was she's like, Oh, well that's evil one oh one. You never you never leave eyes. And here's Dr. Psycho, like I taught that class at Boston College and we never got into anything yeah. that fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> But it shows such a contrast between the villains, and that's what I love about this show, is they show that there's not just black and white. It shows the full spectrum, and I think that that is just genius. Seth, what did you think? So this, for me, was a blast from the past, because um, I remember reading Justice League Annual, and in it was a storyline about uh, the conglomerate who was formed by Maxwell Lord's like former love interest. And it was all of these different characters. I think one of them was a former Justice League member too. I can't remember now with the storyline, but Praxis was a big deal because he was the, the telepath on the team. And I just remember like the trench coat and, <laughs> and the, uh, the t-shirt and the fact that it was part of this really sort of fun concept that they were working with that got blown into a totally different direction because of amazing storytelling and then no praxis. Like, I don't remember much about praxis after that. Like, I I feel like maybe there was some rumor about a solo or whatever, but you, you come back to this moment where they pull this nugget, just little nugget right out of DC history. And they're like, here, let's go ahead and give praxis a family. Let's have this be there. What? 25th reunion. And then let's wipe out everybody. And now he's got an origin where he's attained all these powers through electrocution, (laughs) which we get to later. But also the fact of like, yeah, we get this great introduction to Queen of Fables. Like, I remember there was that great, uh, was it Dust Till Dawn? The really fun over-the-top vampire movie. 
And there's the scene where George Clooney's character leaves. And when he comes back, well, there's Quentin Tarantino's character and the hostage is no longer the way it was. And and there was just this kind of horror to it. And this kind of reminded me of that same sense of like horror. But instead, it's like, oh, my God, this is what we've teamed up with. And look what she's doing to everything. And look how ridiculous this all gets. But also... Look at what her rules are. Like, hey, you want to make it with the big boys? Here's how it works. There's no lines. There's nothing you don't do. You do it all, baby. You do it all. <laughs> Steve, how about you, Tim? Oh, yeah, that movie. You go in thinking it's a heist movie and a crime movie, and then all of a sudden, vampires. And that <laughs> fuck is a lot. Yeah, absolutely out of left field. And that's all what this series is like. You go in thinking this is just a cartoon show about Harley Quinn, but they pull out all the stops. They look at um, characters you've forgotten about, give them funky new origins and everything that goes with it. And that's where I wanted to go next, because we had in uh, episode one, Harley saying, oh, is it the acid that if I fall into it, I get superpowers? And of course, we get a practice who uh, goes up against the electric fence and gets electric powers. And I'm thinking, is it really that simple in this universe? Um, so let's talk about getting powers. And if we could, what kind of fucked up accident would you pick and which powers would you get? Brad, you first, my friend. Uh, I was like the idea of being in so. Oh, but what kind of an accident, man? I do not know. Um, I'm assuming it would be dropped into some kind of vat of chemicals or get caught in some kind of explosion or lightning strike, as it were. But, uh, um, God, I, uh, Kelly, what about you? All right. So I have a very specific answer to this. And I only because this was something not this specifically in terms of ha- what kind of accident in Harley Quinn. But I was thinking this week about what sort of superpowers I would end up having. And I feel like my accident would be just like either either over drinking or something and falling asleep, but then getting sleep paralysis, but then being able to control the sleep paralysis and give it to other people while they're awake. That would be my superpower. <laughs> <Kendra>. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So I guess if I were to just throw one out of left field, I think I would be a part of like a magic act for the um, like Zatanna's family and something happens where there's some kind of magic oil on the blade and I accidentally get cut in half. But because of that, I turn into some amalgamation of clay face and I'm able to mutate myself and keep myself safe and no damage. I think that's what I would want to happen. Seth, what about you? <laughs> nice. Okay. I like it. Um, so I was going through a couple. The one that I think I'm the most fixated on is uh, I'm on a plane and I'm just supposed to be taking like a simple domestic, but something happens to the plane. And because of it, uh, not only do we get supercharged, but we get shot at amazing speeds, like circling the earth until we get so fast that we get shot out of orbit or we get shot out of the atmosphere through past orbit, past the planet. Somehow I get stuck back and I'm able to move around at super speed. But my curse is whenever I stop, I'll end up back on that plane, wherever it is in the universe. That's mine. Steve-O, how about you? 
Nice. All very, very different. I'm liking that a lot. Well, mine, obviously, because I'm I'm actually based in the UK. Um, listeners, yes, I don't know if you'd noticed or not, but I'm not American. Um, it's never been mentioned before on any of our shows. Um, but one day I'd be walking past Big Ben and then it would chime and the sonic vibrations would go through me, giving me the ability to travel through time and speak to people in my past and in my future on a weekly podcast i could speak to someone who was 12 hours in my future and speak to people who were five and eight hours in my past but we'd all be speaking at the same time and wait do i not do that every fucking week with you guys what the no, hell that's impossible that can't happen <laughs> <laughs> i call bullshit that's it no 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 <laughs> that's Everybody totally unrealistic right that's the kind of powers you could never get in real life what the fuck am i thinking i don't know back to the drawing board i guess right now guys ladies eagle-eyed viewers did anyone else spot the name of the restaurant where the lovely ivy and the <coughs> hell yeah kite man had their date uh, if you did i need thoughts stat brad did you spot it uh i spotted it but i can't i can't remember what it was <laughs> i because I noticed they kept showing like the the same shot of the restaurant, but nothing jumped out at me about the title that that stuck with me. So, oh man, I'm failing your test. Let me now, spill sorry. the beans. It was called <laughs> Arthur's Bruce Steakhouse. MBS. Now let's let's think about um, the infamous Martha incident from a certain movie by a certain uh, Zack Snyder, and let's go again from there, Brad. Oh, uh-huh. oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I did. I, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? Kelly's lost. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Okay. So, Arthur's Arthur Arthur's Bruce Steakhouse. Martha. Martha's. Martha. Bruce. Is there a Martha's Clark Bruce. Steakhouse out there somewhere? Oh, wait a minute. All right. You know what? I'm, I'm going to defer for now because I feel like I'm putting pieces together, but not quick enough. Kendra. Dang it. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> um, I mean. Martha being the name of Bruce Wayne's yeah. mother and Chloe. Yeah. yeah. And so does he own the restaurant? Like, is this one of the ways well. Bruce is cycling money through? I mean, are we having a Breaking Bad moment? Exactly. Thoughts. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I got something here. So Go there's a relatively it, famous steakhouse out here called Ruth Chris Steakhouse. And as I recall, I believe the concept was it was Ruth, but named for son Chris, hence Ruth Chris Steakhouse. I'd have to double check that, but I almost felt like it was an allusion to that sort of concept. Yes. <laughs> all right so yeah i'm feeling pretty good there steps for the win <laughs> exactly. boom so martha did she have a chain of steakhouses all over the country named after her son bruce because obviously that that whole thing where a lot of fans just thought um oh yeah so all of a sudden he says the name martha and now they're friends no you fucking idiot he said the name martha and he realized oh my god this is a guy with a mother he's just like me why am i fighting this guy we're both humans why 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 and pete oh that whole thing with martha in for me in batman was fantastic and i loved it and i got it but it 
raised the ire of so many fans. And I just thought there was a nice little touch just to really put that on the name of a restaurant where two Batman villains are going to have. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. But obviously, I'm just too much of a nerd for you guys. Amateur. Like fucking amateurs, a lot of you. Who am I working with in my time machine? Like, strike me. What is going on? Guys? I don't know. If I didn't love you so much, I swear to God, I'd do a humpy on a lot of you fuckers. Right. Like, That's where Steve, when you just. You just revealed that. I looked at my cat and mouthed, oh, shit. <laughs> One of those, like, oh. I've got to say, you're, you're much more than just work colleagues. <laughs> so let's go on to the new subject. And we have to uh, talk about uh, Shark and his adorableness. And, of course, Clayface where he's walking by, he sees the carnage, he throws his own eyes out, but of course they grow back, and the times where he clays himself, and <laughs> Dr. Psycho says, is anyone else's asshole puckering? Let's talk about our three miscreants, Dr. Psycho, Clayface, and King Shark. Brad? It's, it's hard uh, to, to dislike these guys. Because uh, I think in the end of the day, you know that they're going to have Harley's back, even if they give her a hard time or they whine or they're annoying or stupid or any combination of the above. Uh, you know, at the end, uh, they do still have her back. And, you know, what's <laughs> besides Dr. Psycho's uh, proclivities for a certain C word, what's not to love? Uh, Kelly? What do you think? You know, it's funny that so like like I've I've heard in stories and movies people getting so afraid that they shit themselves, and it's just one of those things that's so bizarre to me because it's like how upset do you have to be? And I mean, like I don't know if any of you guys can answer that, or if anyone listening, if you want to share. <laughs> <laughs> When I, I just like the fact that you can tell how close they are as a team, because once you start talking about the fact that your asshole is puckering, like you're 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 a bond. You have to like the people you're working with to a certain extent. Um, so it's at some points they seem like this gang of best friends more so than, a, you know, criminal underground. I don't know conglomerate that word came up before <laughs> but yeah it's you know you see the bond between a group of people when they can talk about the fact that they've played or shit themselves Kendra what about you <laughs> I agree there has to be a bond <laughs> for you to open up on stuff like that but oh, I mean yeah. <laughs> there has to be some truthfulness but, I mean, with these guys, and I'm, I'm even going to throw Frank under the bus here for a minute. I mean, there's there's such a difference. It's like they're actually seeing evil for the first time. <laughs> and then they think about everything that they've done, and they're like, well, damn, I've never really kind of, you know, crossed that line. No pun intended because of the name of the show. But, I mean, and it's crazy because, like Brad said, you, you almost forget how bad these guys actually are when you see them take it to new heights like Queen of Fables does. Because, I mean, Frank ate the gardening boy in the first episode. Just spat him his out. Parents. <laughs> and his parents. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, there's there's literally blood on this crew's hand, but you you don't see it as that bad in comparison to what they're showing you, like what the Legion of Doom does. And Queen of Fables says it best. Because she's like, oh, you have a line, that's cute. If you want to be a part of Legion, you can't give a fuck. Like, there's, there's, there's no way to give a fuck. And Harley's like, well, I give a microscopic fuck. But... Her, ent- her entire crew is like that, and I, I absolutely adore them for it, because you get to see the layers that make up these characters and the depth that go into them. Seth, what did you think? I love the layers. I love that at the beginning of this episode, Frank is getting drunk, and he's just sort of like sitting there on the couch, like getting sauce, just like, this is just, what? Who? You're like, wow, hey, okay, that's not like any of my roommates ever in the past or myself at some point. Um, I also kind of just, you know, love that it was King Shark who was just in love with all the adorable, terrifying characters that come out of the book. Like each one, it's like, oh, 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 oh. And you're like, wow, this could get a little awkward if we just kept that on loop. But overall, <laughs> there was just this like <laughs> this feeling from everyone. I mean, here comes Psycho with the whole, yeah, I had a post nasal drip this morning and now I'm on some NyQuil and I don't know how long I can hold this shit up. Um, and then. And then he just gives the fuck up on the fight thing when after Queen of Fables, who whose line earlier was just fucking genius, almost did I mention it's almost impossible to get brain out of your cape? Like you were just like, oh <laughs> shit, okay, <laughs> cleaning tips after the battle. So you know, stabs Praxis, and then Psycho, who's disappeared because he's just over the shit, comes back. He's like, so what I miss? Holy fuck, I guess a lot. <laughs> like there's there's a limited amount of pretense with everyone, and yeah, they there should be like these horrifying, terrifying. I mean, you know, then there's Clayface, which is that beautiful moment when he's like, yes, I'm a sassy divorcee who's who's got, you know, uh, adult braces. Is it expensive? Well, yes, of course, I'm on a secretary's salary. But still, it's about living for the moment in my future. And there's no price tag on that. And all of this, you know what I mean? So with each one of them, what I love is the fact that, you know, there's a talented group of writers when they can make an encore just every once in a while, like an orchestra, just boop, little solo, boop, little pop. And you just know that each one of those things is developing that character while delivering such a hilarious set of just brilliant fucking lines. How about you, Steve-O? You called it. Absolutely. That's what I really wanted to, to bring up is the fact that I binged this show when it first came out. I literally just watched the whole lot. And, you know, I always talk about watching it weekly and how painful it is. But watching this show again weekly for the podcast, you realize that in no time at all, they've put this crew together and they're all so real and so different. Yeah, the Clayface moment where he's gone again into another one of his deep method acting um tour of forces where he creates this character and he gives a whole backstory and then he gets shut up and then he just has to show the diagram of the room with the dome with the 1000 ish lasers and (laughs) how heartbroken he is that he has to come out of character and psycho and his foul language and his arsehole puckering and everything else and king shark right listen after seeing this episode again I have to say that every origin we've ever heard of King Shark in DC Comics is complete and utter bullshit. I know King Shark's true origin because he is too fucking adorable. He is clearly an intercompany crossover. He's a spy from Marvel. He is Deadpool's baby cute land shark all grown up. And that is my headcanon. And I will fight and argue with anyone who argues with me. Yes, this is an invasion from the Marvel Universe. King Shark is Deadpool's baby land shark 
Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about something vitally important. We are all broadcasters. We all come on a podcast or five every single week. But this is the truth now, and I want honest answers from each and every one of you. Are we broadcast bad or are we cable bad? Brad. <laughs> cable bad. <laughs> Fuck yes. Yeah, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, you just the, the audience who's listening to this has only seen our good sides if they only knew. <laughs> Kelly, what about you? I would say we're broadcast bad sometimes, but when we get into the nitty gritty Harley Quinn stuff, we're cable bad. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Kendra. We are Skinamax bad. That's where we sit. <laughs> Wow, she went there. Oh. <laughs> Especially on this show. Seth, what do you think? Well, this is where I love to give one of my favorite quotes from Mr. Uh, Andre Nicotina. I, I'm a Pisces. <laughs> and my favorite thing about being a Pisces is there's always two sides, man. Yeah, flip the coin. And so, uh, yeah, I say... You know, we're broadcast bad, unless you really fucking piss us off. And then we're goddamn motherfucking cable bad. And uh, Hell yeah. Exactly. So all I got to say is in the words of Two-Face, flip a coin. Steve? As a fellow Pisces, I have to agree with you. I am your best friend. Um, If you fuck with me, I might forgive it or I might just ignore it because that's how I am. But you fuck with the people I love. You is dead. I am dynamite with a long, long, long fuse. But like that fuse, you want to be on a separate continent. So every week when we record on a Saturday night, the DC Comics News podcast, I'm broadcast bad. But then on the Harley Quinn cast every Friday night, I am cable bad. But Kendra, skin max bad. <laughs> That's one of the best things i've ever heard in my entire life listen i'm gonna have to steal that and and share it all over the place and maybe even when we share this podcast online um listen to the skin max bat harley quinn cast you will not be sorry if you survive the experience and that has (laughs) to lead me on that's just freaking great i love that that really tickled me that leads me on to the other thing now i love this the way that there is actually a pecking order for annoying politicians politicians and people high up in power, government and law enforcement in Gotham City. Um, there's nuisance, there's menace and there's scourge. Harley's team go from nuisance straight to scourge and skip menace. I love this. What did you think about that brilliant piece of writing, Brad? Well, according to the gang, that's a pretty big skip. So congratulations. <laughs> That like skipping a grade in in school, go from second grade to fourth grade, uh, skipping menace. Uh, yeah, I mean this is just another one of those examples of how good the writing in this show is. Uh, that was a quick, simple joke, but it it landed pretty well. So yeah, yeah, it was a good one. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, like thinking about the levels of those words, because like a, a nuisance is like a fly that's bothering you or something. A menace would be like a, 
annoying neighborhood kid that throws rocks at cars. And then so a scourge is like we're getting into biblical territory, like a scourge is causing massive amounts of problems all across the board. I think if I was a villain, I would be proud of being a scourge. Like that would be something to share on like Instagram or something like, guess what? I'm a scourge now. That's I mean, that's that's a big promotion. I congrats to them. (laughs) Could up your follower levels from 8 to 18 quite easily, couldn't it? Definitely. <laughs> Once you hit Scourge. <laughs> and you've got King Shark running your social media, of course, but yeah. <laughs> Kendra? I'm trying to control my laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you menace. Because <laughs> I agree with Kelly. She put it perfectly. I'm like, there's really no way to follow that. Because, I mean, it is. They're so proud. And then just for this moment to lead up to what happens, it's just like, it's so, like Brad said, it's so quick. But it's perfect. They're so excited. They're like, yes, we we skipped a step. And now we're a scourge. (laughs) We're threatening to go up by a degree every hour. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Seth, what do you think? I love it. Uh, it was pure brilliance. I, I love the idea of like, dude, you're, you guys are so bad. Like, yeah, you skip past Dennis the Menace, the little kid who just pisses off his neighbor, Mr. So-and-so, uh, Winslow, I think. But uh, instead... Mr. Wilson! <laughs> Wilson, thank you. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're not just the one running around with a wrist rocket or a slingshot in your back pocket and maybe carrying an extra toad around that you shouldn't. Like, you're, you're some serious trouble and. Uh, Kelly, you hit it like way to get on the biblical. Like, I'm just going to say it. My my name is Seth Singleton and something about Seth Singleton's scourge or the scourge of Seth just sounds fucking awesome to me. Steve, you, you start with an S2. Come on, get in on this shit. Um, OK, I start with an S. Um, slimy? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh salacious no no none of those really fit me how about um sausage loving yes let's get us some hot dogs some ketchup and some mustard that's me that's my evil villain name sausage loving steve the hot dog scourge of london yes i love the word saucy that's like my favorite word (laughs) sausage especially in an english accent it's not quite the same because you guys call them franks or wieners um we call them sausages over here so i'm sticking to my britishness and yes i'm a saucy sausage and seth you are also a saucy sausage brad you are bubblicious brad killer (laughs) kelly and uh chaotic Kendra and I had better shut up before I make even more of a fool of myself but I don't give a flying fuck because this is the Harley Quinn cast and not giving a flying fuck is what we're good at we have degrees in this we have a BS in this BS so (laughs) let's let's talk about the elephant in the room the most important subject of the night and the subplot which was hilarious and which took place in Martha's Bruce Steakhouse. We have to talk about the date between Kite Man, Hell Yeah, and the lovely Poison Ivy. Brad, I know you've got something to say about this one. Mm-hmm. I really like the scene where she confronts uh, his parents. That was another scene that was so well written. 
and that exemplifies why we all love Ivy. Uh, she just she just nailed it, taking down his parents for treating him like shit. And uh, you know that was that that was I think one of my favorite episodes or favorite scenes in this episode. Uh, and and it just shows again going back to the writing that it is so well done. Um, you know, like kind of like the way in Game of Thrones you had basically a whole bloodline killed and it destroyed the internet. Everybody was talking about it. In this show, you kill a family because it's animated. You don't even talk about it afterwards. It's barely a notice, really. But it's the show can still have those moments where Ivy just just nails it, taking his parents down like that. And yeah, I think that was one of my favorite scenes in this episode. Uh, Kelly? Yeah, I I love how earnest Kite Man is. That he, I mean, all he wants to do is take her on a date, and he's really excited because he turned his apartment number from 66 to 69, which I'm pretty sure you can't do for like postal purposes. But it's it's just so cute because he's so excited, and then is still secure enough as a person to kind of humble himself and be like, you know what, I mean, can you maybe give them your name? Like maybe that'll let get us our our resi sooner. I just, he's, he's adorable. And I feel bad that at some point I just start to root against him because Harley and Ivy belong together. But at the same time, it's like, he's trying so hard. And I, I kind of, uh, well, one, I don't know who Ivy thought she was going to fool with the, as, as Harley put it, 1940s housewife getup. Like that is the most obviously I'm trying to hide myself get up I think I've ever seen. I mean, who wears a headscarf and a trench coat anymore? Nobody. But it just, it's its a sweet, you know, kind of B story that, you know, we see Harley or we see Ivy kind of come down from being embarrassed by Kite Man to seeing that he's really actually a super nice guy. And then, um, you know, brings him a nine for his front door, which again, I don't think you can do. But still, it's a sweet gesture. <laughs> Kendra? Right, and I mean, I, I agree fully with what everybody said. I mean, Kite Man in this episode, when we first meet him, you know, we think that he's he's kind of doing this oafish thing by giving her roses, but he is actually giving her a rose bush, and he's he's taking Ivy's way of of looking at things and looking at life really to heart, and he's just trying to charm her, which really makes up for the let's shag and I'll get naked in your bedroom scene from a couple episodes ago. Because he, he really is. He's this genuine guy who's who's not only proud to be with Ivy, but quite frankly doesn't really seem to care that she is this elite of elite in the, the world. He's proud of her. And for her to kind of be like, oh, well, I'm ashamed to be out here, it kind of lends credence to the fact that she does still care enough about Harley's image of, of Kite Man and of her being with Kite Man because in retrospect that's all that Harley's done so far is is kind of dog on him whenever he shows up regardless of knowing because she doesn't know about the relationship yet but I mean I'm I think that in this one I was super proud to see him stand up for himself I mean because he does he stands up to Ivy and he's like you know I, I am who I am and I'm not ashamed of you why are you ashamed of me and he just leaves the restaurant and I was super proud to see them do that as writers because He's been nothing but kind and courteous to her, and then we, we get this kind of, well, I don't want to be seen out in public with you, but I'll go to a dark movie theater. So, Seth, what did you think? 
I really love the fact that we get to see Kite Man stand up for himself because you're right, Kendra. He is such an honest guy. Like he doesn't have any ulterior motive. What he says is what he is. That's why he had like no tact when he first got naked in the bedroom because he was like, I don't know. Invite the pretty girl back to the apartment, get naked, go for the best. And, you know, there's a raw enthusiasm, which you want to appreciate. Like, ah, puppy dog, you don't really know how this works yet. Like, let's let's get a little training, a little experience. Let's sort of show you how like, hey, if you're interested in somebody, you do it different. And he's willing to do that. He's willing to switch it up. But the fun part is. As you guys have all said, like now we get a chance to see, you know, what happens to Ivy when she's like, OK, I'll go in for this for the hookup status. But the moment it's about a real place and that you do genuinely caring things like give me roses instead of uh, or roses as a plant instead of cut roses, which are like, as she described it, baby heads, which was just fucking brilliant. Um, but also. Jeez. Right. <laughs> But then we get to see where, you know, she's more okay with them just being a hookup. Let's go to the motel. That seems to be our, our speed of things. And he's proud of her. As he says, he likes to go peacocking with his peahen, which just, I don't care how you say it, peahen just never sounds good, either when you say it or when others hear it. It's not a um, great compliment, is it? It really isn't. Like, you have the word pee and you have the word hen, and it just... You know, one precedes the other, so it just gets really bad from that point. Uh, but but the fact that, you know, he's got no luck, he's so trying and, you know, full of just like, I can do this, I can get this. And then once that's not enough, once the enthusiasm can't get it, he's willing to, you know, drop the pride and be like, hey, maybe you'll have better luck than me. But when he realizes that she's ashamed and he he's honestly hurt and also puts himself completely out there he doesn't try and clam up and like i'm leaving but he says it right there like you know i deserve better i'm 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 somebody who cares about you and you clearly don't care about me i'm out of here i got more respect for myself like you know this is one of the things that makes kite man so endearing in the comics is is when you get a chance to see just how earnest he is and it it genuinely ends badly but seeing that on screen seeing how it juxtaposed with uh ivy and Man, like, here's a great writing moment, Kendra, as you said, because not only do we have him stand up for himself, but now we have Ivy having to face the fact that, okay, you wanted to get into this for one reason, but because you're not willing to change and see this person for, for more than just the doofus that, that Harley calls, whoa, my dogs are barking. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we then love the trade-off. Yes, they're 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 my babies. Um, you know, you're also going to have to deal with this problem where it's like, hey, look, this guy's going to be honest and genuine with you. And if you don't respect him, if you don't, you know, recognize what you're being offered here. Well, the guy's going to walk out the door just like any self-respecting person is when they're like, dude, if I'm not being valued, you know, to quote the Invoke song, I'm out. <laughs> like, <laughs> when you like it, you lose it. I'm out the door, man. So, uh yeah, Steve, what you got? It's, it's once again where we get back to just how clever this program is because we've seen it with Ivy. She puts on this face that, yeah, all she really wants is the booty call. She's a woman. She just needs to, to, to get with this guy. But she actually starts to break and the facade drops. Um, Harley's already made her be able to stick around people without vomiting. But I think that Kite Man makes her actually think, well, actually, I can actually like some people or even more care about them and be in a relationship with them. And 
the way I mean, do you not just feel his pain when he realizes that, yes, she's there in disguise and uh, Kelly, you've upset me here. And, and Brad will definitely take my side of this because he knows fashion. He knows clothes and he knows what people yeah. should wear. That's a wonderful disguise. It's classy. It's vogue. <laughs> it's chic. Yeah. It's very retro. It's, it's powerful. Jackie Kennedy, baby. Uh, and there you go. Um, that's how yeah, I dress Jackie. at weekends. No, not really. I don't. I'm lying. Um, no, listen. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's just brilliant to see them acting like real people. And to the stage where she actually does crack and, and takes him the number nine which is as, as illegal as hell but damn is it cute but um that whole 69 thing it's childish it's so kite man it's so uh, us guys when we're 15 that it's hilarious but at the end of it all when they make the piece and she goes back to his apartment and you find out he actually still lives with his roommate what the hell um that you realize that yeah there may actually be um something more here and then the immortal lines from kite man yeah because i care about you and that ass <laughs> that's <laughs> when you think yep revert to type press the reset button and has anything really changed at all and it's absolutely fantastic it's so so good this show right sticking with kite man and poison ivy let's talk about the truth about superpowers controlling every kind of plant life with your mind as opposed to got kites <laughs> where do you stand on superpowers and and how did kite man get his did he get bitten by a radioactive kite what the hell is going on here well didn't she say like oh i thought you got it for like five dollars at a store like some novelty store or something like that i think that was a line that uh they had said um but uh i i if i had to choose i would definitely choose superpowers over like uh like a suit or something like that so uh not, not that i would be disappointed if my kids didn't have superpowers but i, I would definitely choose superpowers over over like technology uh, kelly would think yeah, I agree, but also I don't want to be too disparaging to Kite Man because I, in my lifetime, have a handful of times tried to fly a kite and it hasn't gone well once. I think the one time I got one Not off easy. the ground as a child, right? Like it's there. There's wind is hard and kites are. I mean, maybe I'm just really terrible at kiting, but I think I got one stuck in some electrical wires. I've gotten some stuck in trees. One went out to sea. Um, and then uh, that, those were the ones I could just get off the ground. So there is something to be said for the fact that he can actually make the kites work. I mean, it's not a big superpower, but it's something. Um, Kendra, what do you think? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I think, I think I have to be Team Kite Man on this one. I mean, yes, what, what Ivy does is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, she's basically Mother Nature at the end of the day, but... With Kite Man, I mean, first and foremost, his his alter ego is Charlie Brown. <laughs> so literally, I mean, you gotta love him. I mean, it just it speaks to the wholesome of his character. That and you know, he can fly, glide. He can glide, but that in itself is is said to be you know it upset something because Ivy loved it. You know, she was like, okay, so I give in. This was really fun. 
So I guess I'm on I'm on Team Kite Man. I'm on Team Charlie Brown. I'm on Team Chuck. Seth, what about you? Ooh, powers or not. It's a challenge. Um because again, I go back to my we all want to be swamp thing, but with my luck, I'll just end up as Frank the plant. And that's just really painful for me. So I want the powers, but that doesn't mean A, the powers want me, B, they'll respect me, or C, I'm going to get the version of myself that I would want. It's probably going to be some really sad, twisted version. Like, um, literally, like there'll be poison ivy, but I'll just be ivy that hangs on that back, you know, sort of fence post. And that's all I do. I grow slowly throughout the year and I sort of become a nuisance but um there's something about the ingenuity of Kite Man that I have to respect you know he's never going to be a Batman but the man did build his own kite system sort of and he had to learn about weather and clearly as Kelly pointed out weather is hard wind is hard which my god needs to be a quote somewhere like wind is hard and I just want that to be a quote uh <laughs> But, uh, you know, if I if I had my dithers, of course, there's a part of me that wants powers. But I'm always going to respect that that person who's like, sure, you can be given something or you can work your ass off. So, you know, nothing but respect for the guy. He should always respect himself. And, you know, if you're named Charlie Brown and you fly kites or fly in a kite or fly with kites, dude. There's always going to be that one goddamn fucking tree that eats your kites, like, and it's just an asshole about it. And when not, as Kelly pointed out, you've got wires to worry about. I mean, it, it's not easy either way. What if you get powers and they're killing you? Like, that's always a fucked up scenario. So, you know, just be happy with what you got. You want more? Work your ass off. Steve-O? Oh, absolutely. Poor old kite man. And the way he can get that kite up in a fraction of a second, but folding it down again, does anybody have an Allen key in the middle of this <laughs> tron? Absolutely fantastic. But you feel for the guy. He is so, and again, I can't believe I'm saying this about two-dimensional animated characters. He is so goddamn real, as is every character in this whole show. And Kelly, I have to say that wind is not hard in this house. Just give me milk and you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Um, listen, when it comes to flying a kite, it is not easy. Again, I I feel your pain. I'm with you. But um, the fact you got yours in an electric fence is, is simply shocking to me. And and in a tree, just branch out in a different direction, and then you won't have these issues. And I'm going to shut up <laughs> before I get myself into any more pun-related trouble, and you all decide to kill me. Right. So the episode was called the line and obviously it's about lines being crossed or not crossed and how far you're willing to go to be a villain and we do learn that harley and her crew are broadcast bad against cable bad but honestly let's talk about the legion of doom obviously we're going to see a lot more of them in in forthcoming episodes we've already seen their main asshole in the joker but do you actually even think that Harley is capable of crossing that line and becoming a villain of that extent if she really wanted to? Or is she just that messed up girl who got jokerified and is now on the road to redemption because that's the way she should go? I mean, this is deep philosophical shit, guys. Brad, um, you know where I'm going with this. So let's have your version of it. 
Uh, I think that that whole inner conflict within Harley is going to be the entire arc of the show, no matter how many seasons it goes. Uh, Just seeing what she will do to get accepted and what she would do when she has the power or the opportunity. Will she be the good guy or the bad guy? Which is kind of... Uh, you know how the character has evolved in the comics and movies over the years it has kind of been she's been in that kind of sweet spot of anti-hero not exactly a villain all the time kind of thing so uh i i think that we are still learning and harley is still learning exactly what those lines are that she'll cross or won't and i'm thinking that at this point i'm thinking that she's going to stay on the side of good uh, Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I think she has the mark of, I, I mean, a, a classic anti-hero, anti-villain in the sense that she'll do terrible things. I mean, she will break people's legs off, um, cripple an entire acting troupe, uh, just, you know, to name a couple, turn up the the temperature in Gotham. But for the most part, we see her sort of attack people who are in some way directly involved with her goal, people who are, you know, a direct obstacle for her. Not so much. She's not really looking out to go out and just blow people up or, you know, do do any, any of the crazy stuff that the Legion of Doom does. So I think, yeah, we'll see her kind of straddle the line for a little bit. And it seems like she's someone who will typically end up on the side of good but then I you know you start to wonder is there something eventually that could happen in the course of the show that will make her break that line and kind of cross over to the other side either out of anger or hurt or something like that I don't know but um yeah I think that's part of what makes her so unique and what makes her a villain that people are willing to go after to an extent but she's not she's able to progress because people aren't trying that hard to throw her in Arkham because at the same time, it's all right, well, she's terrible, but Bane's trying to blow up the guy who works at the smoothie store. So there, you know, there, there's lines there. And I think she knows how to make those lines work for her so she can get ahead even further. Kendra? I agree. Um, I mean, Harley, Harley says it in this episode that, you know, she doesn't want to go after or murder innocent people. So, I mean, there's there's definitely a line that she's not willing to cross. And even going back a couple episodes to finding Mr. Right, she, her and Arby, her and Ivy have a conversation about, you know, her killing Damien and, you know, her, or Ivy says it to her the best. She's like, you know, it's not that you can't kill the boy wonder because we all know you could, it's that you won't. And I think that that's kind of the big scopes that I take away from this one is that yes, there, we all have a line and there are certain things and variables that would cause us to cross it. But those are extremes. And for Harley, I don't think that she's reached that extreme. And even if she were, it would be a very telling thing to see because she's already stated quite clearly that she she gives a microscopic fuck, which we all know is a little bit more than a microscopic fuck. She doesn't want to murder innocents. And I think that that's going to be the big eye opener when she actually does see what the Legion of Doom is about, because up until this point, she's only been seen as a as a sidekick. She's never been at the actual table. And when she starts to see what those differences are, I think that it's going to cause her to have an, an inner conflict on whether or not she actually is willing to be this evil. So, Seth, what do you think? 
definitely deep philosophical shit, Steve. So <laughs> well, well, well phrased and appropriate for this question. You know, um, I think to quote the words of uh, Mr. Johnny Cash, she uh, walks a line. Um, she knows that she's got all the excuses for doing something too far. Um, this is silly, and I, I'm going to get personal for a sec because this is just fucking hilarious, like when you see connections in your own life. But for those of you that don't know, I've been like dry for about 12 or 13 years now. I lose track at times, but uh, maybe 14 now, 14 in November. Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks, bro. It was a it was a choice. But like there was this fucked up thing that happened where my buddy gets killed in a suicide uh, in a one friend died in a suicide. Another one died in a tragic motorcycle accident. It was like only a couple of months after I got in dry. So and he had been my like call when shit gets fucked up, like you can call someone and that had been my guy. So everyone's kind of at this party with me that we're all saying goodbye to him. And they're like, so you're just going to get trashed. And I'm like, fuck, I've got all the excuses in the world to do it. My friend who was my call just died in this horrible motorcycle accident and all these other things have been happening up to it. Like, why not? And yet at the same time, like, that was the reason that I couldn't. Like, you can't do that to your friend. You can't, you know, in my head, I just said, hey, this is the one thing that the person I respect wouldn't want me to do. Like, I've got all the reasons in the world. Well, Harley's got all the reasons in the world. She had, came from a shitty family and somehow pulled herself up successfully became top-notch doctor then gets you know twisted for that family by the joker should just be completely over the line should always be ready to cross the line should have crossed the line already and she doesn't and the reason stops being about why she's got all these reasons she could and the reason becomes more about all these reasons that she can't or shouldn't or doesn't want to and those reasons are her crew her budding love and friendship with Ivy, like with someone like Harley, there's always going to be plenty of reasons to. And at some point there could be a reason that pushes her over at edge. But I agree with Kendra. She's not there yet. And that's not ever been something that, you know, others have recognized in her, as has also been pointed out. So when it comes down to it, like, sure, she's got all the reasons in the world. But that's one of those things where if you put that, to, you know, to Harley and you're like, hey, You've got all the reasons in the world. Why don't you do it? She's got just enough stubbornness of fuck you in her where she's like, no, just because that's what you want me to do. You want me to finally break and give in or collapse under the weight or finally just stop trying to be better than the shit that I came out of. And she does. And for all of the chaos and all the, the wonkiness that, as Brad said, is going to be the through line for this series. We're going to keep seeing the reasons why Harley should and sometimes does cross smaller lines. But the big one, that, that's that's not in her cards. And right now, all she's been trying to do is get respect from the Legion because she's been embarrassed and humiliated for so long by Joker. But the more she's defining about who she is, and we can all see this, I think, like, the point of this show is about getting Harley to understand that she gets respect for what she does and who she is, not who she's trying to beat, not who she's trying to compensate against, not who she's trying to be worse than, because Harley Quinn is a real person, granted a two-dimensional real person, but as fleshed out by these writers, she's a real human being, and you know what? 
You don't have to be what other people expect you to be. You don't have to give in. You can write your own future. Okay, like I said, philosophical question. I got way too, you know, nobody reeled me in. I even hear this from like somebody trying to get the fishing pole going or even like feel the cane around my neck. So you're not going to pull me off the stage. I'm going to take myself off and say, Steve, get a phys- philosophical answer to a physical philosophical question. I don't I don't hold anyone responsible. Just shit happens. You're up, bro. No, it's, it's deep stuff, and that's the, what the best fiction does. It makes you think. It makes you ponder. And uh, another, well, I don't know if anyone's heard it, another British writer name of William Shakespeare said, um, be who you are, not who the world expects you to be. And that's this show in a nutshell, and that's Harley Quinn in a nutshell, because a lot of people say, well, how can people um, like Harley Quinn? She's a psycho. She's a killer. And I thought, is she a killer? Um, yes, she's associated with the Joker, who's a killer. All right, fair enough that people could argue she's uh, an accomplice to that. She's uh, a, a partner in that. But the only people she kills, and, and in this show, she does kill a lot of people, are villains and the Joker's lobotomized hench people. When it comes to doing the right thing, yeah, she's a crook. Yes, she's naughty. Yes, she is. And, and this episode coined the phrase and i think i'll take it with me to my grave there's broadcast bad and there's cable bad and thanks uh, kendra for taking it up a level with skinamax bad but she is broadcast bad for a reason because she is an anti-hero and she's a human being that does have a line she won't cross which most of society hopefully us included uh, will agree with and and also live by and that's the magic of this program. It's fucked up. It's hilarious. It's violent. It's crazy. It's wacky. It's magical. It's it's a, like a Looney Tunes come to life with an R rating. But there's still morality and lines that you don't cross. And even that simple title for the show, The Line, is telling and it's genius. So this program... Um, man, it, it literally blows me away. And I said, binge watching it is completely different to watching it weekly. And uh, Kendra, in your reviews, and I know that you are one of the primo Harley Quinn fans, um, love reading your work. And, and you always pull these little things out of it as well. So I love what you said about it. And as, as have we all, because Brad, again, um, this is the arc that will go through this whole season. Seth, you said it too. This is Harley's life. And brilliant more power to her whether she talks to herself out of photographs or not this is a real person <laughs> absolutely so that's the part of the show now and we've done it a few times over the last few weeks and i think it works really really well if we each give our one takeaway our one favorite moment one thing that stuck out and maybe our word our description our title alternative title for harley quinn episode seven of the line Brad. Uh, not that it really has anything to do with the overall episode, but I, I kind of liked Ivy's line about uh, best birthday ever. Holla. That struck me as funny, and I was like, yeah, that's the line I'm going to try to bring up at some point in the episode. Um, but yeah, see, I, I just think this episode overall uh, is a prime example of why we all love the show so much, because it has those those moments of completely over-the-top violence and what the fuck is going on, and it's got those real moments that do go deeper into the human condition, and this episode was perfect for that. There's the, the 
you know, the line is a good title because, you know, it it towed that line between both of the worlds that this show can sometimes, you know, live in. And uh, for that, I think it was a very well done episode. Nice. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? So I think um, we see Queen of Fables betray Harley. And even though everyone told Harley that was a line that the Queen of Fables would have no problem crossing, Harley clearly didn't believe that. So I think my favorite line is, you know, when when she does cross that line, Harley goes, I helped you sign up for Tinder, which is the, I mean, that is one of the, the, the best ways to describe, wait a minute, you're stabbing me in the back. I, I helped you get your fuck on. So you, you helped me sign up for Tinder. That's, I feel for Harley there. Kendra. I think the alternate title is where I'll start with this one. I think it should be called Bildo. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Bilbo! Right? I just, I think for me, the big takeaway, like, yes, everything that happened with Harley and the crew is absolutely imperative and important. But for me on this one, the takeaway is Ivy and, and Kite Man. Um, I mean, there's a, a lot of growth that happens, no pun intended, in their relationship this, this it's episode. It's charming, though. Yeah, well, no, unfortunately, he stays small no matter what. We learned that from Queen of Fables. Um, but, I mean, for their their relationship, I mean, you get to see depths with Ivy and with Kite Man. And Ivy always is the one who's saying, you know, hey, no, why the Legion of Doom? They're a bunch of dicks. And, you know, she's always trying to tell Harley to be true to herself. And I think in this episode, we finally get to see that mirror reversal on Ivy where she has to take a look at herself and her misconceptions about how she's perceived as a villain and how she wants to be seen as, you know, as a woman and in a relationship with someone who is genuinely trying to keep her best interest at heart. And seeing them put that much introspective into this episode was, it was beautiful. It was absolutely the takeaway for me. Seth, what about you? Well, one thing that I felt wasn't pointed out that that I loved was when Queen of Fables was being carried away by the two birds and literally then flips the birds and says deuces. Part of me felt like deuces would have been a really great title for this one. Like that was just like a great idea also, because for for me, deuces like two, two sides, you know, the choices part. And that could have played really well. Um, and might have been too subtle maybe having this be just directly the line um the other thing that stuck out for me is that with the queen of fables it's it granted the the magic book got fried to shit and i love them she's like anybody else got a magic book of fables <laughs> it really sort of twisted the narrative for a sec like you're like wait a minute does she need another magic book can she only use that magic book what happens to queen of fables after this shit right but there was an illusion at one point to, yeah, I could always have little Bo Peep come out of here and beat the fuck out of you. And I thought that was fucking genius. And it made me think, like, if that wasn't the only magic Fables book, if she can make Fables come out of all sorts of books, or if she can put magic into Fables books, like, who else couldn't we possibly see come out of this shit? Like, little Bo Peep, who I seriously want to see, like, you know, break out some... Uh, uh, I don't know, Matrix-style fighting and, and get kind of wicked in there? Or uh, the fact that we've only heard about the three blind mice, who we touched a little bit on, but, 
if you get a chance to see this episode, like note the fact that <laughs> not only does she think they're more fun than the pigs, but they take longer because the little teeth. And uh, when it comes to skulls and stuff and bones, like, I mean, come on, how much more graphic fucked up can you get with this shit? Well, clearly we just need to keep going through the fables take our darkest imaginations to it and my god we've we've got ourselves a nemesis for 15 seasons man i mean this is going to be awesome <laughs> steve how about you yeah i mean that that's the main takeaways i had as well there was there was two first of all was uh, queen of fables herself and her book or books because we know that she's done that to Humpty several times and the fact that she talks about the three blind mice and seeing what they do I mean all I get is these horrible visions of these three blind mice literally gnawing on people and eating them like corn on the cob with their little teeth and it's just absolutely chilling and it's one of those types of horror that actually is scarier because you're imagining it rather than seeing it because I don't know if anything we actually see on the show will, will match up to that kind of horror and Oh, it, it's chilling. It's it's terrifying. And that, like you said, Seth, that's a villain with legs. She could go on <laughs> and her evil. Who we she honestly, she terrifies me. And she was so adorable and hilarious as a book. The scene Queen of Fables and voiced by Wanda Sykes, who's actually probably one of the sweetest, funniest human beings on the planet. It's just that genius dichotomy that we get in this show where yeah these are villains but we love every single one of these whacked out fuckers they're just great they're adorable apart from the really evil ones and again <laughs> that clever yeah it's it's just brilliant it's so well written so hey, well Steve, i got a question yeah. did you picture the, the three blind mice wearing anything specific because i alternated between like all black suits with like a white tie or all white suits with a black tie but getting like oh, you're bloody fucking scaring me now man <laughs> a, I, you are scaring me literally i was shakes. seeing them like mafiosis like the fanucci twins uh-huh, Oscar. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but with the dark glasses and the walking right. sticks will they'll poke into places and that whole thing about <laughs> whenever you see horror movies and the dead bodies and bugs and mice crawling out the eye socket and stuff like that that that's literally i, I saw gangster mice that fuck shit up that's exactly what with I, little hands right like when yeah. you see a chipmunk get a hold of something and it's like yeah. and you're like oh that's I so just cute saw little bow ties oh. <laughs> oh. i was just picturing oh. tiny little bow ties you guys took this to another place Oh yeah, yeah no. Seeing <laughs> with Italian suits, walking cane, and like yeah. you know some yeah. wickedness because remember they're blind. Like they got to feel with their hands until they pick up something. Like come on, Juicy. go ahead and get into your job. <laughs> Seth, and what do they sound like? You know they got voices. <laughs> um, they sound like um, Rosie Perez, Arlene Sorkin. And um, the fairy from Scrooge. <laughs> oh, Carol Kane. Oh, God. I love Carol Kane. Oh, fuck. Like, yeah. If we could have a cross between her voice from that and then also from uh, Princess Bride when she's Miracle Max's wife, like, fuck, that would be just hands down. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. And I actually pictured the voices of the, the mice from uh, Babe. A few weeks later, you just literally destroyed. Oh, what? How are you going to sleep tonight, buddy? <laughs> oh. 
dude. And I thought the little pigs were bad. Please. The bones. Do the fucking bones. Oh, my God. Now, that's it. <laughs> so you you and Skinner Max girl have just destroyed it for me tonight, the pair of you. What are you like? Oh my <laughs> <Ugh>. Yeah. <laughs> I love letting it out here. I know I'm generally the voice of optimism, hope, and positivity, but you know, like I said, other side of my coin. Yes. Seth <laughs> Naughty. Um, I've got totally lost track now. You've put visions of fear. You're welcome. You're welcome. You got it, buddy. Come on. (laughs) No, that's it. I've gone one step further now. Oh, Seth, you are evil. What if underneath those tiny little mouse sunglasses, they're just like the Corinthian in Sandman? And they don't have no. eyes. They've got little mouths for eyes. Father beans and last bottle of Chianti. Okay, but then I kind of want them to be like the the voices from uh, when they do uh, Family Guy and they do an alien spit and the little mouth comes out and he's like, "Ha, I'm about to eat y'all." Okay. <laughs> So I want the little mouths to have their own little voice and be like, ha, we're here. We're the eyes. We're going to eat y'all. <laughs> Terrifying. Right. I need to get this back on the positive funny track. Right. Please, yes. So, yes. <laughs> Moving away from evil books and big bad wolves and flesh eating pigs and three blind mice. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that was my standout, and it's the same as all everyone else, it's the date between Harley and Harley between Ivy and Kite Man and the way it readdressed their humanity and shows that even villains can love. And that's a, a wonderful and positive message. And as for my alternate title, it goes down to Mr. Brown himself. Hell yeah. My alternative title would be because of the date, Wine Me, Dine Me, 69 Me. And we'll leave it right there. So, everybody, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, I just had that's to get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> that was another fantastic episode. And it's very important with everything else that's coming up. So um, anything else that you guys want to address or talk about from the show before we call it an evening? Brad? No, I think we nailed it. I think we talked uh, talked about a lot of things. <laughs> Kelly? No, no. I mean, you know, I, I care about that ass. That that would be my second title. <laughs> we were just talking on the podcast uh, chat line, Seth and I, that um, whenever we're asked questions, we have to be honest and say, yeah, well, I like big butts and I cannot lie. Um, Kendra. <laughs> I'm just stuck in Seth's world right now, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to come the fuck out of it. <laughs> he's terrifying. He's scared me tonight. Because I have family guys stuck in my because I know exactly what he's talking about when he says, the voice of you know mm, i'm gonna eat you right now that's what i'm gonna do fucking great that's oh, that was scary <laughs> i love it <laughs> that that's it that's that's me Seth. what do i have left i can say honestly on a positive note i am glad i was never born as humpty dumpty and i i think that's that's oh, my exactly. first <laughs> 
or any other fable because i mean you know we saw what happened to the gingerbread man like you know he didn't even get stuck in the book and the poor guy's out there turning tricks and having a rough time of it and addicted and yeah i think i think what sticks with me probably like the last thing that i'm left with when it comes to this story is the fact that it introduced all these wonderful hints of things we can look forward to. And yes, I took you down some dark places and Kendra, no, you'll never get out because now you're experiencing also the same voice that's there in the Jaws scene. Ha, hi y'all. I'm going to eat need you. A bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, like, I love the fact that with all of these, we've just got enough hints that you can use your own imagine and dig so deep. And then you can also see all these little things that they're setting up for later on down in the series. And really, there's there's nothing better than something that, that starts out with the idea it's going to be crass and crude and over the top. And then it keeps dropping these beautiful doses of humanity, these wonderfully like poignant moments. And you think to yourself, it's like they say, you got to have a little bit of sober in every comedy, a little bit of comedy in every horror. It's like you you can't just keep it one tone the whole way. And the way it does that masterfully while also building these characters, what I'm left with is the fact that you can be as crude and crass as you want, raunchy, whatever. But if you can do it and also tell an amazing story and create complex, beautiful, original versions of characters, I mean, come on. Like we're all writers here. That that that's a gift. We're we're being shown that this is another way of doing it. And look how good it is. How good is it? Look how much you're talking about it. You started a podcast for it, and you can't stop quoting the damn thing. Admit it. You love it, Steve. Absolutely. And we talk about it every week. How brilliantly written this show is. I mean, this is case in point because this was my final takeaway from the episode as well of and the power of the writing and how deep philosophical and meaningful it is that we start with the praxis family all having fun enjoying themselves running around um eating drinking and being merry and they all begin happy at a family barbecue and then at the end he ends up as a praxis kebab i mean if that's not beautiful poignant circular round table writing i don't know what is so that's where i'm gonna leave it praxis kebab that's an image to take away with you and um he definitely got the sharp end of the stick and uh queen of fables really made her point with him really let's let's be honest so on that note and to save the world from further fantastic offerings from all five of us, I will end off by saying and asking my colleagues, my friends, uh, where in the Internet we can find them to talk more stuff. Brad. Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews on DC Comics News. Uh, you can also find me uh, at participating in the regular straightforward DC News comic podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FlickyB1. And Kelly? Um, you can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces on DC Comics News and also on our regular mm-hmm. DC Comics News podcast and on Twitter at KelGainsWrite. Kendra? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at DevourAllWords. I also write for uh, Dark Knight News and whatever the hell I want on Fantastic Universes, and I can now be found on Planet Nine as well. Um, 
I think that, I think I've, I've found everybody. So if you feel like reaching out, feel froggy and leap. Seth, what about you? <laughs> Ribbit. Um, where can you find me? Um, you know what? My favorite thing during the whole COVID is saying if you want to see fun, you know, silly, goofy dogs, go to my Instagram uh, for my dogs, Bruno and Fiji. Enjoy, laugh, send me comments. Get a little, you know, smile in your life. That's kind of why they're there. They bring me joy. Might as well bring you joy. You can find me writing news uh, reviews on DC Comics News. And pretty much, I'm just kind of out there, man. Like, do me a favor. You want to find me, pick the path that, that gets you to find me. Use my name, Seth Singleton. And from there, I, I'm just looking forward to the fact you took that kind of effort. Like, wow. Well done, um, and pleasure to meet you. But until then, well, I'm just waiting to hear from you. All here with my dark thoughts and my blind mice and tuxedos, maybe Italian, French, maybe nice shoes. The belts are going to be key. We should really stop trying to get me, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stay on track. Steve-O. Um, you can most frequently find me on uh, the DC Comics main news podcast and on I Am The Night, my weekly breakdown of all the episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And they're all broadcast bad, trust me. And then uh, you'll also find me weekly on this show, which is um, definitely Skinner Max bad. Thanks, Kendra. That's going to live forever. But um, you can read my writing and all my news reviews and interviews for both DC Comics News and Dark Knight News by doing a simple search for Steve J. Ray on Google or any search engine of choice. Bing! If you want to chat and leave us your opinions on this show or any of the others on the network, Seth's wonderful spinner rack, Brad's forthcoming let's dress evil blind mice any way we fucking like, and Kelly's <laughs> let's kill people with our purse book and Kendra's Skinamax Delights Weekly. Um, you can catch all of those along with these shows on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. You can catch Dark Knight News and DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr and YouTube. Easiest way is just to type in DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C-O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W. Yes. Uh, please comment. Please like the shows. Rate us, review us. Tell us why we are 11 stars instead of just the usual five. And keep listening. Keep reading. Keep sending us your opinions. And most importantly, Seth, Brad, Kelly, Kendra, what does everyone out there really need to do? Read more comics. And we'll be back. Three, two, one.